I didn't have a lot of clarity. I needed structure in order to walk that out on a consistent basis and to build it. And so Jesus gives them not a rote prayer that you're supposed to, to, to do, like say this incantation. In fact, he, he was critical of people that just gave mindless repetition, the Pharisees that just repeated certain phrases without it coming out of their hearts. But this is not that. This is a model. This is a pattern. This is, these are steps for how to pray. And there, there's more than one model. There's uh, lots of different structures. Over the years, I've kind of walked with one model in prayer. I can do that for a year, two, three years. And then I'll, I'll be more inspired to go with another model. There's a, a, a phrase uh, or a pattern called the tabernacle prayer. That's out of the Old Testament. There's another place where uh, uh, just a pattern of praying through the Scriptures of a part of my regular Bible reading. There's a place where I was committed for a season, and I still have a, a modification of this, of praying through Paul's apostolic prayers. And um, uh, there's a, a Youth with a Mission, a uh, missions organization, has a great book uh, that gives a guide on an annual basis for, for how to pray and journal. So there's lots of different models, but Jesus is giving a model. Say, thank you, Jesus, for a model. All right. The goal is get a plan and work the plan. Let it be a, something that supports you. Then Jesus called them to perseverance. So he gave them a plan. He showed them an example. He gave them a plan. And then he said, this is going to be hard work. You know, we think prayer, it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be just totally energized by this. I'm supposed to come out of this with like, I've got spiritual muscles all over me. It's exhausting sometimes. It is hard to focus and to stay on track and to move forward, especially if you move that out for a certain period of time. So the fact that it's tiring means you need persistence. You've got to have perseverance to move into this. You've got, especially if you're talking about going into this pattern, walking with God in layers and layers that grow over the course of of your life. So in verse 5, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, we want more shameless audacity in prayer. Just asking for crazy stuff. Shamelessly, boldly, he will get up and give you as much as you need. So, I've got a story for you about perseverance, persistence in asking. And this is out of the life of a, a man named John Goff. He wrote a book, Love Does. Has anybody heard that book or that name before, Love Does? This guy's, uh, I've just recently started reading the book, and uh, 
It's off the charts crazy, the stories out of this guy's life. It's very, very fun. I got the Audible book, and I just played this one chapter for Grace and Susan last night, and they're both, they said, yeah. So very fun. Um, so uh, Bob Goff uh, wrote the book Love Does and has a ministry by that same name, and he has a crazy story about a place in his own life of being one who asks persistently. And when he was growing up, Bob was not a very good student. So he had great ambition of being a forest ranger. Uh, not trying to insult forest rangers, but his, his goal was to avoid technical, academic anything. He just said, in his mind, I get to go out and be in the woods and wear a green suit and a hat and, you know, enjoy being outside in the sunshine. So he started college. I'm not quite sure actually what he, he uh, graduated with, what degree. I think he got out of forestry, but he didn't make awesome grades. But close to the end of his college career, he got this idea, I really want to make an impact on the world, so I want to be a lawyer. Now, he was not pre-law, but he knew he, if he wanted to be a lawyer, he had to go to law school. And to go to law school, he has to take the LSAT. That's what they tell me. You have to take the LSAT. So he went out and bought a 105-page LSAT prep book and read it three times and showed up for the test. I was sitting there kind of getting his pencils all in place and everything. He looked around, and everybody in the room was going, which prep course did you take? You know, how did you do this? You know what? And he discovered in that moment... Everybody around him had spent several months and a lot of money preparing for this test. So he just kind of took his little 105-page thing and slid over and dropped it in the trash can and looked around the room. He didn't do very well on the LSAT. So um, he took his mediocre grades and his poor LSAT and boldly applied to a large number of law schools. Not only was he not accepted but he didn't even get on a waiting list. Not only did he not get on a waiting list, but a number of schools returned his application fees. <laughs> Undaunted by this, Bob kept moving forward because God wanted him to be a lawyer, because he wanted to impact people's lives. So he chose a specific law school in San Diego where he had gone to college, and he, he got the number, and he, he made an appointment with the dean of the law school one full week before classes started. So he went in, he met with the dean, walked over there in this beautiful office full of books, just covered with knowledge, and he stuck his hand out across the desk as this man stood up, and he said, I'm Bob Golf, and I want to be a lawyer because I want to help people. And... Um, um, seems that the dean already was aware of his situation, and so he just kept, he, he, he did something really helpful. He, he didn't let go of his hand, and he didn't sit down. He just kept shaking his hand and talking to him. And then he just kind of moved with him slowly as they talked toward the door. And, uh, but before the door closed, Bob stuck his foot in it, and he said, you're the dean of this school. 
If you say the word, I can get in this class. All you have to say to me is, go buy your books. And then the door closed. Bob was not daunted. He persevered. There was a bench just outside the office, and he went and sat on that bench, and he said, I'm going to sit here for the rest of the day. And every time the dean came out of the office, he said, just say, go buy those books. He came by the next time, he said, just say the word. You have the authority. So the day ended, and the authority had not been exercised, and the books were not encouraged to be purchased. Bob got up the next day, went out, drove out there, and sat on that bench. Over the course of the next few days, he learned all about this dean's schedule. When he got to work, when he went to the bathroom, when he went to exercise, when he taught his classes, and every time he came in and out, he said, just say the word. Just say, go buy those books. And most of the time, it was kind of like this, you know, or like, mm, you know, not even smiling. Not, he just learned to kind of be tuned out, but Bob kept coming at him. Well, the first day of law school came, and he had not been invited to be a part of that law school yet. It was a discouraging day for Bob. But he said, just because I didn't get accepted before school started doesn't mean I can't join now. So all day, he sat on that bench, and he called out to the the dean of the law school, and this happened day one, day two, day three, day four. Law school had started. People are, the smart kids were already plowing down the road with uh, their plans and learning. But near the end of the fourth day of law school, the dean's door opened at an unusual time. So he knew his whole schedule. And the dean normally didn't come out of his office at this time. And he, he heard his familiar steps coming around the corner. And the dean walked right up to him and looked at him and just stood there for a little bit. And then he said, go buy your books. Bob's a lawyer. He's been practicing law for 25 years now. He's the counsel for Uganda. He's a diplomatic representation for the nation of Uganda. And he was persistent in asking. Now, how many of you want to go to law school? There's, that's how you do it. That's the perfect example. <laughs> Jesus taught his disciples to persevere. This is what he was talking about. Bob's life is an amazing example of brazen requesting. (laughs) And then Jesus told his disciples this. He said, your prayers are going to be answered. Your prayers are going to be answered. See, he said, seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Your prayers are going to be answered. Your prayers are going to be answered. 
Just a couple of weeks ago, Jimmy Seibert was uh, with our board meeting here in Boston. And we were talking about the, this whole thing. And he said, a couple of years ago, I don't know, remember what period of time this was. The Lord told him, start writing down your prayers. And so he began a journal of his prayer life. And then check off when those prayers are answered. I challenge you to do that. Write down the prayers that you're requesting. But as many of you think, God doesn't really answer my prayers. And I want to tell you, he does. Jimmy is <coughs> a spiritual man. He's a great guy. But his example is not extreme. What he noticed was 80% of his prayers were answered. Now, we are stuck so often on the 20% that are not answered. There are certain issues in your life that you've been asking. He says, be persevering on those. Keep asking. Don't give up. But he's answering your prayers. Many of you, you've asked things, and it's, it's happened in the last couple of weeks. You got that parking place. It was amazing. <laughs> Your prayers are, are being answered. Your prayers are being answered. Ask, seek, knock. Your prayers are being answered. Now, Jesus in another passage said, ask according to my will. Okay? So, we need to grow in the level of unselfishness in our prayers. It's not just about us. It's about God impacting and blessing other people's lives. But he says, ask. Ask. It's going to happen. Seek. You're going to find it. Knock. The door is going to be opened. Your prayers are going to be answered. You just have to ask. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. And you've got to do it with perseverance. So what impact would that happen if you began to see in your own life documentation of the reality of that fact? Your prayers are answered. Again, I'm not saying 100%. I'm not saying everything comes out of your mouth is, is golden. It has the greatest attitude and motivation, but the majority of what you're asking, especially if you're saying, I submit to God and resisting the devil, I want your heart, I want to be holy, your prayers are being answered. So what did Jesus do? He gave them a model. He lived this life of prayer. Then he said, do it. Get, let's act on this. It's not, we're not just talking about this. Then he gave them a plan. He gave them a structure to work with. He called them to perseverance, and he said, it's going to happen. All right? Now, many of you are so excited that you can hardly sit still. I can tell. They're just like wiggling in your seats out there everywhere. So how do we move forward? We're going to move forward. Do, do you want to pray? 
Do you want to be a person that prays consistently? Do you want to be people that see this happen? Actually see this happen? I, I think that's why I'm still on planet Earth. So I want to see some stuff happen that hasn't happened yet. I want to see Jesus impacting people's lives here in Boston. And through those lives being impacted, seeing people all over the world's lives change. Now, we are, when I say all over the world, it's a slow process. But we're making progress. We've got 30 churches around the United States. It's taken a couple of decades, but there's, we're getting some momentum. We've, we've seen more people in our movement saved in Muslim areas than we have anywhere else. Amazing stories are happening. And I think an acceleration of God's work in Boston would be pretty cool. That's, that's why I'm here. That's what I want to be a part of it. Jesus, you could do this in New England. Let Jesus, I want to see that happen. Let's see your work established here. So, Becky, where are you? And help me out. We're going to worship a little bit. I want you to get something to write with or something to type into right now. I'm going to ask you some questions about your life. And this is you, this is for you, okay? I want you, if you want to pray, if you want to move forward in this structure and discipline, I, I want to ask you some questions right now. How much time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question and then I'm going to give you some space to think, okay? How much time... Is it realistic for you to pray every day if you're praying five days a week? Okay? How much time is it realistic for you in this season of your life for you to pray every day for, uh, for five days, at least five days a week? Is it five minutes, 10, 15, 30, more? An hour a week, a day, those times? How much time can you pray if you're praying five days a week? Ask the Lord. Think about your schedule. that logically and conservatively some of you answered that question ambitiously okay we're all in different spectrums in our personality but I, I want to encourage you to, to lean in in faith and say Lord I want more 
more of you. I want to grow. Not, I don't want to be static in this. I, I want to grow. So, little exclamation point at the end of, of how much time you're thinking about. Now, I want to ask you where and when do you have time to pray consistently in your day? I, I know people that say, I want to pray at midnight because I get Jesus all to myself. then you're fighting with a bunch of Koreans and it's really complicated. Is it morning? Is it a break at at some point in time of your day? Or is it evening? When and where? Five times a week. You can do seven. Just trying to get you up to a certain place that has grace. accomplish this. Do you need accountability? Do you need a prayer partner? Seasons in life where I've someone had said, you know, call me at six in the morning or or remind, you know, you could say, let's send a text so that we're both in gear. Do you need that kind of support? Do you need to have a conversation with your spouse or with a roommate? One, one thing I've learned the hard way is you, you don't start extended fast without talking to people close to you. You don't start huge disciplines in your life without making sure that you've got other people around you on board with that. So what do you need in order to accomplish this? materials? Do you need a prayer guide? There's all kinds of stuff. Walk around with things like this. Prayer guides is just a list of scriptures that I work through. Wear these out. Print another one out. Got it on my computer. You need some guides. Need some structure. Do you need help from a coach to sort out your life? Like, I don't even know where to start. So I'm, I'm going to do a little plug here. Who's been through the coaching training? Could you stand up right now? Some of the people have been through the coaching training. Okay. Stand up just say, I'm going to talk about you in just a moment. So these guys have been through a three-day coaching training process, learning how to help people accomplish their goals. And... Uh, we do this training on a, on a regular basis in the fall and the spring. And it's because in order to get past some things, you need help. You need someone to walk this through and help you get traction. You're going to be seated. Do you need a coach? Do you need someone to, uh, a mentor? Do you need someone to walk this through in order to, to really get traction in your life? 
We're going to sing a worship song right now. And I, I want some cement to start falling in place. Okay? These questions that I've given you, you just process that a little bit longer. Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us to pray. Build this in us. Let us be a people of prayer. I'm preach praying right now. Sometimes I do this strange thing where I start praying with my eyes open and right in the middle of a conversation with people. I say it's really annoying sometimes, but there's a seamlessness of, of our walk with Jesus that should be there. So say, just in your own life, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Give me, give me what I need, Lord Jesus. This is a summer of prayer. This is a place where we're stepping back into your will and your purposes for us individually. We're going to worship, and I want you to you just keep journaling. You keep writing. You ask someone else to pray with you right now. We're going to, let's worship.